Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. But the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode, and I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Bussing. We're going to do a little bit of housekeeping real quick right up front. First of all, this episode is probably going to be a little shorter than normal. We're just doing voicemails instead of calls, and that's because I was in Texas all the way until today, which is Thursday. So we're kind of behind the eight ball to get this episode done. And secondly, I need a favor from all of you. So you all know that this show is made possible by our advertisers. We've had great sponsors like Stamps.com and Blue Apron and ZipRecruiter and Harry's, and the list goes on and on and on. These are the people that actually fund what we're doing here. And as you all know, there's just no way to not have advertising, because if we don't, we don't have a show, we don't have any investigative services, and we don't have lawyers. So what I need you all to do is take five minutes out of your day and go to podcast.study. What this is, is again, a less than five minute market research survey. And the purpose of it is so that advertisers know what our audience wants to hear. So like I said, we have to have ads. But we'd like to at least have ads that fit your needs and your interests. Also, we have to have a certain number of respondents to the survey to get accurate numbers, which means I have to keep talking about it on the show until we hit that number. So if you don't want to keep hearing about this survey, and I don't want to keep talking about this survey, so I'm just going to ask all of you just to take five minutes out of your day. Let's just get this thing done, and we never have to talk about it again. So again, that website is just podcast.study. That's it podcast.study. Take the survey. It'll take five minutes. We'll be done with it. And it'll help us to get great brands advertising with us that you're actually interested in. One last time, podcast.study. Get it done. Thank you. All right. Now that we have that out of the way, let's go ahead and move on with this week's Friday follow-up. All right, Bob, we've got just a little bit more in housekeeping to get to, and then we'll move right into the social media questions. So we've received a lot of social media about truth and justice episodes not showing up on Stitcher, and some folks are getting a little ticked as it's been happening for a couple weeks now. Can you explain to the listeners what's going on with them not being able to download episodes from Stitcher? 
Sure. And actually, this issue has been going on a lot longer than just a couple of weeks. So the way a podcast works is we upload our episodes to our host site, which is Audioboom. That's the only place we put the Truth and Justice podcast. That generates what's called an RSS feed, and all the places where you listen to the podcast just draws from that feed. So that includes iTunes, Google Play, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. So we have absolutely no control over when those get moved over to those feeds. As far as I know, all of the other feeds have the podcasts pop up right when we publish them. But for some reason, for months, Stitcher has been weeks and weeks behind. And I have no idea why that's happening. And I'm glad you brought it up here on the show, Mike, because I've addressed this on social media and emails lots and lots of times. So here's a chance for me to tell all of you, if you listen to the show on Stitcher and you're getting irritated because it's taking weeks for the episodes to come up on your feed, my recommendation is download the Audioboom app. So our host site, Audioboom, has their own app, and that's where I publish the episodes. So those episodes will always show up immediately as soon as they're published. Obviously, if you have an iPhone, you can use iTunes. But if you use some kind of other phone, you don't have access to iTunes, that's fine. Again, my recommendation is download the Audioboom app, and then you'll always have the most current, up-to-date episodes. Now we'll move right into social media questions for this week. To start things off, I was scurrying the web for good questions to use on the show and kept seeing sort of a common theme through many responses. With so many characters in the story of Kiao Gove's murder, people are having a little trouble keeping up with everyone's names. So I thought we could square things away. First, Jay and Carol are Jesse's parents, right? Right. Jay and Carol Eldridge are Jesse's biological parents. Now, what were the names of his adopted parents? His adopted parents, who he refers to as his real parents, are Judy and John Perry, and they're from Michigan. Okay, and then Troy would be Jesse's brother, right? Correct. He's one of Jesse's brothers. And Shauna is Troy's ex, who allegedly hooked up with Jesse. Right. Shauna was Troy's longtime girlfriend, on again, off again for years. I think they were actually engaged at one point. But Shauna Couples, yes, she is the woman who Jesse slept with after her and Troy had broken up that we believe was the trigger to set this whole thing into motion. Now, Tammy is Jesse's ex-girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time of the murder, correct? That's correct. Tammy was Jesse's girlfriend at the time of the murder. She was pregnant, and they now have a daughter named Nicole. And Kenneth is Kiao's husband, and Kirby would be their son, right? That's exactly right. Kenneth Gove is Kiao's husband, and Kirby Gove is their son, who was 18 at the time of the murder. And finally, one last character here, Glenda, was Jesse's most recent girlfriend before he was charged with the murder of Kiao Gove, correct? Right. So Jesse, now remember, this was three and a half years later after the murder. Jesse was with Glenda, who's also referred to as Lou, when he was arrested. All right, Bob, thanks for clearing that up, because it does get a little tricky sometimes to keep up with all the key players in the case. Moving on, on Twitter, Thomas Ahern tweets, Are Jesse's parents, Jay and Carol, still alive? Jay passed away a few years ago, but his mother, Carol, is still alive. On Twitter, Lisa tweets, For F's sake, this whole story is messed up. Why didn't they test the keys? And I think she's referring to DNA testing on the keys. Lisa, I wish I had a good answer for you. It just boggles my mind why those keys were not only were never tested, but they were never even collected into evidence. We even find later in Don Watt's testimony, the investigator from the cold case unit that picked the case up years after the fact, that he went to visit Kenneth Gove, and Kenneth actually showed him the keys that were still sitting on the shelf. And again, he didn't take them or test them. So it's one of those very frustrating things, but I can't give you a logical answer as to why they were never tested. Okay, and Paul Little tweets, Wow, guys, you're barely starting this one and lots of work to do already. 
wanted to drop a quick note regarding the keys not to dismiss the idea that they simply fell somewhere and were picked up later. Even with a thorough search, I can see them being overlooked under the right circumstances. What's his question? Just the fact that the keys could have been overlooked and the fact that they were that they simply fell somewhere and were picked up later. The fact that a stranger could have done it is what I'm getting out of that. Now we've got a few more pertaining to the keys, but I can we can nix that one and I can read you some other stuff that's actually a little more solid. Is there a question in there somewhere? <laughs> well, it's just to say don't overlook the idea that the keys may have been picked up somewhere randomly after they apparently were were dropped randomly. So just give me some advice. Some advice. Let's not forget that this could have happened. There, now I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, thanks, Paul. Uh, I agree that... I'm sorry. <laughs> you just caught me off guard with that one. Uh, I agree. We still do not know. We have no way of knowing who put those there, and it absolutely could have been a random stranger. Okay. All right. And then... And I don't mean to be sarcastic. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> just kind of went right over my head. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so a lot of the social media has been geared around these keys, how they got in the mailbox, etc. Uh, one listener, a, a mailman actually, by the name of Nathan Cooper, posted to us on Facebook saying, I'm a mailman of eight and a half years, and when I see something that looks like it may belong to a homeowner on my route, such as keys, I'll simply put them in their mailbox as a courtesy. Whoever took the keys could have ditched them in the vicinity, and it's possible that perhaps the mailman found them and put them in the box when delivering the mail. That could explain why no one unusual was seen around the mailbox. And then when Nathan was questioned later on by some other listeners on Facebook regarding a mailman being able to identify the keys as keyhouse, he responded with, if a mailman were to have found the keys in her yard or driveway, he could have assumed they belonged to the Goves and put them in their mailbox. Yeah, that's something I hadn't thought of before, but I suppose it could have been a mailman. But I think in order for that to be the case, that they would have had to have been found like in their yard. I mean, I'm not a mail carrier, but I just don't see the mail carrier finding the keys, you know, a block away and just knowing, oh, these must be keyhouse. But certainly if they were found like in the driver in their yard, I suppose that's a possibility for sure. Okay, moving back over to Twitter, listener Tracy asks, why did the first article, this is regarding the first news article that was written regarding Keow's death, say no murder weapon was found? I thought she was found with a knife in her hand. That is a really good question. And several people had that question. And the answer to that one is actually pretty simple. That is a common practice for police. If there's a certain detail about the crime scene that no one should know, they won't make that information public. And the reason is so that if they get any suspects or any witnesses or anything like that that says that they know something or were involved in the crime, they've withheld that one piece of information to see if they know about it. 
Unfortunately, in this case, Troy Eldridge knew nothing about the knife, and that didn't seem to stop him. Also on Facebook, Ryan Williamson gets curious, posting, I'm wondering if there could have been any kind of altercation with a student at the school that Kiel Gove worked at. Yeah, so the problem we have right now is we just don't have that information. You know, these are things that we would have expected to see in Royster's notes, but there's just nothing in there like that. He didn't really get into victimology at all. We see one conversation with Constance Jackson. She mentions another employee, Loretta Smith, that thinks she might know something, but we have no record of him ever talking to Loretta Smith. So we just really don't know. So I guess the answer is that, yes, that's a possibility. Someone could have had a grudge against her. But with the information we have right now, and we're trying to get more of this, we're trying to make contact with more people from the school that knew her. But as of right now, we just have no idea really very much at all about victimology. All right. This question comes in the form of an email from Shauna. Shauna writes, Hi, Bob and Mike. I just watched Bob's Snapchat from Texas. I listened to the episodes that describe Kiao being on the other side of the fence, but didn't really think of how she would have gotten there until after seeing the video. What are your thoughts, both yours and the police investigating at the time, on how she got from the sidewalk to behind the fence? Well, again, that's another question that's pretty easy to answer. At the time of the murder, there were breaks in the fence for people to walk through all the way around the school. And Kia was found just inside one of those openings. Uh, the reports go anywhere from 10 feet to 25 feet inside. So it looks to me like she probably just ran through that opening or was carried through that opening. We're not sure yet. But it's a little confusing now because the fence was replaced about two years ago and there's no longer openings for people to walk through. But back then there were. All right. And then we've got an email here from listener Jill. She writes, I noticed the last date of Thursday, July 27th. I know it's a long shot, but is it possible that maybe back in 1991, there was a summer school session where July 25th, that Thursday, would have been the last day? If there was a summer session, was Kiel working at the school over the summer? Well, we don't know if there was a summer session, but we do know that Kiel was not working during the summer. Kenneth Goh's trial testimony was clear that she did not work during the summers. And that's why she was able to go for her walks at 7 o'clock in the morning, because she was off of work. Okay, and we've got an email here from listener Jess Garcia. This taps on the topic that you and I were kind of discussing earlier today regarding racial tensions between Americans and Asians even into the 1990s in post-Vietnam America. She writes, was Kiel from Vietnam? If you're familiar with the murder of Vincent Chin, who was an American but targeted because his attackers associated him with the Vietnam War, it would fit the motive of gang-related and has a prominent KKK presence. I would suggest looking into that as a possible motive. Now, again, Bob, this is something we discussed, not so much in reference to the KKK or other racial groups like that, but we were definitely talking about sort of the Vietnam War and vets coming back and maybe having prejudices against Asian Americans or Asians in general. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I saw this. It's something that really didn't cross my mind. You know, this happened, you know, 20 years after the Vietnam War. Uh, to answer the question, no, Kia was not from Vietnam. She was actually from Thailand. But it is an interesting angle and something I guess we should look into. I know that Jesse had told me that there weren't a lot of Asians or like no Asians in that neighborhood. She kind of stood out in that regard. Right. And also, now that I think of it, kind of a funny little thing. Didn't Mark Wahlberg actually go to prison when he was a kid for physically assaulting an Asian guy? It was sort of like a like a hate crime type deal. Do you remember anything about that? I don't, but would that have been like in the 90s? Yeah, it was definitely in the 90s when he was sort of like running the streets and selling drugs and getting involved in gang activity. Now, he wasn't anywhere near South Dallas. Obviously, he was over in Boston, but he was definitely, you know, an American in the United States in the early 90s with uh, racial issues with Asians. Huh, that's a good point. No, I didn't know anything about that. I guess I just always thought that anti-Vietnamese 
sentiment would have been gone by the 90s, but that's definitely something we'll look into. It's a really good point. All right. Yeah, very interesting. All right, Bob, we've got one last Facebook post here that I really like. I think it kind of sums up who Jesse Eldridge is as a person pretty well. Elizabeth Parker on Facebook posts, I had to say I really admire Jesse putting all his past out there so honestly. The thing that stood out to me was that he blamed no one for his problems. He owns up to the drug use and the fighting and the jail time, and that says a lot. The message of this case is important. Even people with a criminal past do not deserve to go to jail for something they did not do. You know, it's actually one of the things that really stood out to me from the very first time I was able to speak with Jesse. So given what I do for a living, I talk to a lot of prisoners. And most prisoners have a lot of excuses and a lot of blame. But Jesse really is a straight shooter. And that may come across as kind of coarse to some of the people listening. I know we had some feedback from people who were saying they just didn't really seem to like his attitude. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people did get sort of a standoffish type vibe off of Jesse. Yeah, and I can get that. But the thing is, I really, really like Jesse. And the reason for that is Jesse is a complete, I would call him a straight shooter, and he's honest. You know, the first thing I said when I talked to him is, I need to know everything. Everything about your past, present, everything. And Jesse just went through and he said right away, he said, dude, I wasn't a good guy. Like, I was doing bad things. And he broke down for me. You know, I hadn't even researched these things yet at that point when that interview that you heard He was just telling me that he was doing drugs and alcohol and robbing people and getting into fights and that he was a bad guy back then. And even when I would try to suggest, like, well, you know, given where you came from and everything, he would quickly stop me and say, no, that's a cop-out. That's an excuse. I don't make excuses. I was making bad decisions back then. You know, and so you have a guy that is just blatantly honest. But one of the most powerful things that he said to me was, I've done a lot of bad things. But I didn't get up one Thursday morning and go randomly kill some woman and then go about my life as usual. And it just sent shivers down my spine because it was so real, so raw, and so honest when he said that. He's never claimed to be some kind of an angel, but he's saying that he did not kill Kiao Gove. He had nothing to do with it, and he doesn't know who did it. And honestly, I believe him. I believe every word he said to me. He's told me some things that I didn't even want to hear, but he just doesn't want to leave any stone uncovered. And considering the first conversation I had with him, which was, don't lie to me, the same conversation I have with any inmate, don't lie to me or I'm done with you. And so he was making sure that I knew everything. I mean, he gave me an intense history of the different women he was with throughout the years. And another thing that I found really interesting is kind of looking through his criminal history One thing Jesse has never, ever done is put his hands on a woman in a violent way. He would get into a lot of bar fights, fist fights, things like that, but most of the time it was defending a woman or beating up a guy that was threatening a woman. He's never, ever touched women or children. So this crime is just completely against what his, I guess you would call it his M.O. was back then. And the bottom line is this. I personally really like the man that Jesse Eldridge is right now. I would not have liked the man that Jesse Eldridge was back in 1991. But regardless of all of that, the bottom line is this. Jesse Eldridge did not kill Kiao Go. And that's what's important for this case. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you get a custom-tailored suit, it's going to fit perfectly and make you look great. Think about that with a Noble First for your organization. No matter what the size of your company is, a Noble First will analyze your data and collaborate with you to custom tailor digital solutions so you can focus on making your organization grow. When it comes to data-centric solutions specifically for your organization, choose a Noble First. A Noble First makes living simple. See for yourself at anoblefirst.com, E-N-N-O-B-L-E-First.com. Hey guys, this is David from Ontario, California. I was just wondering if Kirby had any known enemies or any um, possible people he didn't get along with in high school that would maybe target his mother as kind of like a revenge. Uh, that's the theory I had. Um, listening to the podcast, you guys are doing great work. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, like I mentioned earlier in the social media segment, unfortunately, these were leads that were just never looked into by Royster or at least were never documented by Royster. So it's it's really sad, but we really don't have a great picture of Kiao's victimology. I did talk to one listener whose cousin went to school with Kirby, and the only information that I got from her was that Kirby seemed like a nice guy and he was very smart. But other than that, that's really all I have. But that's a really good question, something hopefully we'll be able to figure out in the near future. Hi, Bob. This is Pam Cowan, one of your listeners. I've been listening since day one. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, my question on the case for Jesse is, one, um, is he still in contact with his biological mother and brother? And if it turned out that they fabricated this lie in order to get money, um, are there any, you know, repercussions, any consequences that um, that they could suffer from this because that's just really horrible, you know, for him to have gone down the path in life that he was dealt, not being wanted anywhere, and then trying to reconnect with his biological family, and then to then have them put this on him like that. I know he was dealing with all types of personal challenges, but, you know, irregardless to all of that, you know, that was so undeserving. So I was just really just wondering if he's in contact with them, has he been in contact with them? Um, and if it's found out that they fabricated, what would happen to him? Thanks, and keep up the good work. All right, that's another really good question, and the answer is Jesse does not have any contact with his biological family at all anymore. He was writing letters back and forth with Troy back in the early 2000s, shortly after he was arrested, but according to Jesse, he stopped doing that around 2007, he thinks, is the last contact he had. So no, at this point, he has no communication with them whatsoever. Regarding what could happen to Carol and Troy if it turns out that they completely fabricated this story and that's proven, the answer is, unfortunately, I believe, actually probably nothing. The statute of limitations on perjury in Texas is two to three years. So the good news is that if Troy was to recant his testimony, he could do so probably without facing any criminal charges. The bad news is that if he doesn't recant and were able to still prove beyond any doubt whatsoever that his story was made up, probably nothing's going to happen to him. Now, that's on the criminal side. I think it is possible that Jesse may be able to sue them or something like that, but I'm not a lawyer, so I really don't have the answer to that. But in Texas, it sounds like they're well beyond the statute of limitations and really nothing would happen to them. Hey, Bob and Mike. This is Kristen in Tennessee. Um, I'm hung up on the keys like everybody else. 
And I'm not a trained analyst or anything, but I feel like the crime was very personal. Uh, Kia wasn't robbed, and she wasn't sexually assaulted. She was viciously attacked in broad daylight. And I feel like that's motivated by hate and rage. And I wonder if the killer hated Kiao but cared about her husband and son and returned the keys not as a threat or a warning, but to assure them that no one else had access to their home or to let them know that they didn't need to be afraid. This theory also makes me wonder if the killer is a woman. I might be way off, but I haven't seen anyone else bring it up. Thanks for all your hard work. I'm looking forward to hearing about your trip from Texas. Have a great day. Bye. All right. Thanks, Kristen, for that voicemail. You bring up a couple of good points. Uh, so first, let's touch on the motive. To be honest, the more and more I look at this case, I don't think it's as personal as I originally thought that it was. And I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but when you look at multiple stab wounds like that, certainly it screams personal hatred killing. But then we look at the rest of the crime scene and find where her body was found, where the attack potentially took place, and how her body was left with no attempted concealment, that tends to lean towards someone that did not have a known relationship to Kiao. So honestly, at this point, what I'm leaning towards is that it wasn't a random killing, that there probably was a motive, and that somehow things broke bad and Kiao was able to thwart the attack that ended up in a killing, but maybe killing wasn't the original plan. Maybe there was a knife or knives just used to threaten her that ended up being the murder weapon, but that wasn't the plan from the beginning. Now, regarding the keys and the possibility of someone putting them back there to let Kenneth and Kirby know that no one had access to their house, again, the keys are just a complete mystery to me at this point, so I don't think there's anything that we can rule out right now, so that's certainly a possibility. Hi, Bob. Hi, everyone. It's Liz from Lexington. I had a question about blood splatter couldn't help but notice when I was reading Troy's testimony and affidavit that he mentions blood in a splatter pattern on um, Jesse's shirt when he sees him. Based on what we've talked about before on the podcast, you seem to indicate that it would be, and excuse me, but more of an ooze based on the stab wounds as opposed to splatter. So could that be a red flag? that Troy's testimony is, I guess, physiologically impossible. Can you speak a little bit to that, Bob? Thanks. So the thing about Troy's affidavit is that it is completely riddled with red flags, and this is definitely one of them. Now, on this week's episode that's going to drop Sunday, we break down all of the knife wounds and go through the Emmy's report and her testimony. And when I do that, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Of the 13 stab wounds, only four of them hit any major organs, and only one of them hit an artery. And again, she would be bleeding through two layers of clothing, and the injuries were internal, not on the outside. And we have the fact that the blanket that was put over her body had very little blood on it. So there's just no way, and I think you're right, it is physiologically impossible for the killer who attacked Kiao Gove to be covered in blood spatter. There's just nothing on her that would have caused spatter. At most, I think they might have had a few small droplets of blood if maybe she coughed up blood or just from flailing around blood coming off the cut on her face or her head. But we wouldn't be looking at a lot of blood. So this is just one of many red flags with Troy's affidavit. And tune in Sunday for more information about all of these wounds. I think you're going to be stunned.
And on that note, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank everybody who left a voicemail or sent us emails or tweeted at us or left us Facebook messages. I've also noticed that there's been a ton of interaction going on in the Truth and Justice podcast fan page on Facebook. So if you're not in on that discussion, get in on it because there's a lot happening there. Now, moving forward, this Sunday, two days from now, we will be breaking down every single wound on Kiao's body. Stab by stab, cut by cut, bruise by bruise. And this is going to be one of those episodes that you may want a pen and paper as you go along to take notes. Because the results of the analysis are going to blow you away. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Mike Bussing. All the music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. I want to thank Amanda Meyer of Willow Photo and Design for creating the Friday follow-up logo. Thank you to our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller for transcribing the episodes every week and mailing them out to Jesse. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. Send us new cases you want us to check out to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. Like the Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Obviously, you have an. Obviously, if you have an iPhone, you, obviously if you have an iPhone, you can use iTunes. But if you're an Android user or a Google user, but if you're you, but if you use some kind of other phone and you can't, but if you use some kind of other phone, you don't have access to iTunes. That's fine. Again, my recommendation is download the Audio Boom app. Also, on Facebook, nope. On Twitter, ugh. wanted to drop a quick note regarding the keys, just to say no. Well, just to say no to demiss the this isn't mine, is it? Just to say no to de, just to say not to, to not to, to <laughs> not to dismiss the idea that they're sim not to dismiss the idea that they simply fell somewhere and were picked up later. I'm a mailman of eight and a half years, and when I see something that looks like it may belong to a home that and when I see something that looks like it may belong to a home owner. <laughs> And when I see something that looks like it may belong to a homeowner on my route, such as keys, I'll simply put them in their mailbox as a courtesy. Right on, man. Okay, moving back. Okay, moving back over to. Okay. Looking on Google. Okay. Also on Facebook, Ryan Williams gets curious, posting, I'm wondering if there could have. Also on Facebook, Ryan Williams. Also on Facebook, Ryan Williamson gets. I almost had it.
<laughs> also on Facebook, Ryan Williamson gets character. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get back into character here. Oh, okay. Okay. This question comes in an email from Shauna Stark. Okay. This question comes in. An- All right. This question comes Didn't in. Didn't the- you write that script? Yeah, I can't. I just have <laughs> trouble reading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's a. I know it's a long shot. I know it's a long shot. Oh, fuck. And all, and also, now that I think of it, uh, nope. Uh, well, that oh, right on, man. Okay. Okay. I almost had it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Is this one going to the blooper reel? It is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 